Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The wonderful words of God. You know, a few years ago, my wife developed a, a bout of laryngitis. And for a whole day, she couldn't speak above a whisper. Just imagine your spouse not being able to speak to you. Whatever claim I made, she just had to go along with it. All she could do was nod and smile. I was guaranteed to get the last word, guys. <laughs> and you know, this went on for most of the day and along about evening, even some the next morning, I got a little concerned about this. I started thinking, you know, I can't imagine never ever being able to hear her speak anymore, to hear her laugh, to be able to encourage me anymore, or to express her love, or even for us to get into an argument, some type of disagreement, and then make up again. And you know, it was bearable and even enjoyable for a day. And you stop and think about it. For a lifetime, it would be tragic. Where there is love and relationship, there are words. And that is why Israel loved the scripture. It's why Jesus loved the Torah. It's why God loves us and he gave us his word, his holy word. And so we're in a new sermon series right now. We're calling it Upside Down because you would all have to acknowledge we feel like we're living in an upside down world. Everything seems to be totally upside down on us and certainly upside down from God's word. We're living in a time where we need to challenge one another, help one another to stay on the path of the straight and narrow because you can go off the right side of the road just as easy as you can go off the left side of the road. And those who follow the Lord, those who endure till the end, shall be saved. Now, Jesus ended his most famous of all sermons there in the Sermon on the Mount. And there in Matthew chapter 7, he tells a story. He said, well, there were two guys out here that were both building a house. And one guy built his house on this real sure footing. He built it on the rock. It was sound. And the other guy built his house on what was sinking sand or shifting sand. It wasn't real sure footing. And then all of a sudden, after both the guys got their houses built, the rains came and poured. These gale force winds developed, the rogue winds. And suddenly there was all kinds of things going and beating against the house. And the house that was built on the sandy foundation crumbled and collapsed. But the house that was built on the rock, he said, was able to withstand the storms that they faced. And after saying all of this, listen to what Jesus says here. Matthew 7, 24, he said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like that wise man who built his house on the rock. Build your life, he says, on the rock. So when the storms come, you can handle it. If there's no storm going on in your life right now, boy, you need to be praising God and giving God thanks. If it's all sunshine in your life, you need to be really grateful for that because I'm warning you now, there are times coming in your life where you're going to face storms. You're going to face challenge. You're going to be hardship. 
There's going to be loss. There's going to be situations that develop in your life. And it's important that you are planted here on the rock and on words of truth. And if you're not built on the rock, you're going to crumble. You can't build your life on popular opinion. You can't build your life on pop culture, on sitcoms, on things like tabloid theology or folk theology, nice, wonderful slogans that you see on Twitter and on social media. So how do you build your life on the rock? That's what we're going to talk about here for a few moments this morning. The answer to that is to look for just a moment away the way God designed you. God gave you five senses, hearing, your ears, your eyes, seeing, smelling, tasting, and touching, and everything you know and everything you experience, it comes through in one of these senses. Uh, and that's how you encounter life. God wants you to learn to encounter life. He wants you to learn to encounter his word. And these are all found in the scripture that we've shared with you this morning in the book of James chapter 1, verses 19 to 25. The Bible is called perfect because it's exactly what we need. And how can you build your life on this rock? How can you build your life on these words that Jesus is giving to us? Well, number one, you build your life on it by your ears, by receiving it. Uh, in verse 21, it says here in the scripture, it says, except the word planted in you, you receive it in your ears. We're talking about hearing the Bible. Now, Paul in Romans 10 and 17, he said, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Or faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And it's interesting here that it's using the word accept. In the Greek here, this is a hospitality term and it means to welcome the stranger. It means to welcome the word into your life. It's an attitude that you have of acceptance, accept it into the soil of your heart. James says here, it's planted in you. And throughout the Bible, isn't it interesting of how the Bible compares itself to seed? Jesus told the parable, you remember in Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower. And it said, the word of God is a seed and it's planted into your heart. Some of it, uh, you know, goes and it's, it's planted here and it doesn't grow. It doesn't get into the soil. You know, it's always amazed me, and I put this to the test, how you can take two exact seeds, two seeds out of the same package, and you can put it in two different locations in your backyard, and they both yield this different crop of fruitfulness. I've seen this happen myself. And the difference you find is not so much in the seed, but it's in the soil. The soil has to be prepared. How is it that you can take two people and you can put them in the same worship service, they can hear the same choir sing, they can sing the same songs, they can hear the same message, they can hear the same creeds, they can understand the same scripture and be part of the same prayer, and yet one, after it's over, is blessed by it, and the other stressed about it. One gets a lot out of it, and they're like, boy, this really hit home today, and the other person's like, I didn't get anything out of this, this is terrible. One accepts it and one doesn't. One heart is in that attitude of acceptance and the one isn't. It's heart preparation. Also notice in this text that we read to you today in verse 21, it says to be clean. Get rid of all moral evil that is so prevalent in your life. You know, before you can plant seed, what do you do? You get your hoe out. 
You get the rototiller out. You prepare the soil. You get everything ready to go. You do a little weed eating. The word here that's being used in the Greek for the word filth, moral filth, is the same word for earwax. Anybody ever have to go to the doctor and have the wax cleaned out of their ears? It just, the sound is muffled, you can't hear. This is the same word here in the Greek that's being used. He says, get rid of all evil, anything that you know that isn't right in your life. God says, lay aside all the emotional baggage, all the bad habits, all the junk, anything in there that's preventing you from letting it be planted in your life so that God's word can get through to you. The Living Bible says, get rid of all that's wrong in your life, both inside and out. The second way you build your life on the Bible is not only with your ears hearing it, but with your eyes seeing it. You receive it with your ears, but you read it with your eyes. And you cannot grow without reading the Bible. Now, verse 22. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves because you're going to forget it. But do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. Notice the mirror analogy in this text. He sees his reflection in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And that happens a lot, doesn't it? I mean, you hear a message... You hear something in the classroom, and by the time you get to the parking lot, you've already forgot it. But one who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed by what he does. Many times, the Bible compares itself to a mirror. Think of it. The purpose of a mirror is to evaluate yourself. Now, I bet you everybody here visited a mirror before you came to church today. You were assessing the damage from the night before, right? And you were kind of checking yourself out, and I'm sure you washed your face. You may have put on a little makeup. You may have gotten the comb out and adjusted your hair, brushed your hair. Or maybe you're like, I didn't have time for this, so you just slap on a ball cap and you're out the door, right? I mean, think of it. You evaluate yourself. And there are really two ways that you can look at a mirror. One is you can glance at a mirror, and the other is you can gaze at a mirror. You remember the show, and I'm dating myself, Happy Days. You remember the Fonz, right? The Fonz, he would come out, and he would, hey, and he would look at the mirror, and he would just glance at it. Just glance at it, because he didn't have to comb his hair. It was a perfection kind of thing, right? He didn't comb his hair. Well, God wants us to not gaze uh, or not glance, but the gaze. The book of Hebrews says God's word detects your thoughts. It detects your intentions, your desires in your heart. It's evaluation. I, I, I heard it said uh, some time ago that Queen Elizabeth, who was beautiful in her youth, ordered all the mirrors to be removed in Buckingham Palace because she couldn't stand seeing her face growing old. Probably a lot of us kind of think that thought the older we get, we see the wrinkles, we th see the things about us. We're like, oh, I don't like that. That's what the Bible is. It's a mirror to show what you really like and how you need to live, how you need to build your life on the rock. And a lot of people don't read the Bible because they're afraid and they're unwilling to face the truth and to see themselves as they really are. Not only that but thirdly let me say to you you need to research the bible and this is using your hands and your mouth think about it and this is bible study researching the bible there's a difference between reading the bible and studying the bible 
Reading the Bible is reading the Bible. Studying the Bible is studying the Bible. And it's not studying unless you have a pen and paper in your hand, all right? And you're sitting down talking to someone about it. That's why we love small groups. That's why you need to digest the Bible. You need to try to understand it and figure it out. Uh, you turn and you study the Bible. You put, uh, you know, theory into practice. You turn this glancing into gazing. And when I write something down, I talk about it with somebody else. I check it out. Now, this happened in the scripture. I point you, for example, in uh, Acts 17, where Luke here is talking in the, in the book of Acts, chapter 17, about a group of people in a city called Berea. And he says the people of Berea, this little city in Greece, were more open-minded than those in Thessaloniki. Uh, that was another city in Greece. And he said those Bereans, they were more open-minded than those who lived in the city of Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message and they searched the scripture. Not just reading it, but day after day to see if he was really telling the truth. These people were searching the scripture. They're not just reading it, but they're studying it. They're talking it over. They're listening and in a small group discussing. There are people listening to Paul preach and then having a small group discussion about it. A fourth way that you build your life on the solid rock and on the Bible is to review and remember it. Verse 25, it says, The man who looks intently, that's reading, into, per into the perfect law and continues to do this, that's reviewing, and not forgetting what's heard, that's remembering, he will be blessed. You know, I have personally in my life found one of the great things here in the last few years is going back and memorizing scripture. It's revolutionizing my own spiritual life. I did that some when I was a kid, and then you get busy and you're tied up with other things, but I've learned that that is so important in life, to remember God's word. You say, Tim, I have a terrible memory. I can't remember a thing. But you know what? People remember what's important to them. Let's be real. You remember your street address. You remember phone numbers. You remember birthdays and anniversary dates. You remember stock symbols and, you know, quotes. You remember those wonderful songs from the 1970s or 80s or 90s. You can still think of the lyrics. You remember baseball statistics. You remember the things you want to. And memory is a skill that you can get really good at. It's better than ginkgo, I tell you, because you can use it. Memory is like a muscle. It can actually help you to get better. You may have a terrible memory, but you can improve your memory. And actually memorizing scripture will cause your brain to really have a stronger memory in other areas. That's actually been shown in lots of different studies out there, one after the other. And if you learn to memorize those scriptures, when the rain starts falling, when the problem starts surfacing, those things come to mind and they give you strength to draw on. It gives you hope. It gives you encouragement. You're reminded of these incredible words, these wonderful words of life. Joshua 1 and verse 8, do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. And that means talk about it all the time. Meditate on it day and night. God tells you to meditate on the Bible. In other words, when you're eating, sleeping, when you're out walking in the park, you know, be thinking about that so that you, he says there, will be careful to do everything written in it, and then you will be prosperous. As far as I can tell, this is really the only verse in the Bible that gives us any kind of thing about prosperity. 
When you meditate upon the word of God day and night, you will be successful, you will prosper. And then lastly, if you want to build your life on the Bible, you really need to respond to it. Now, as Methodist people, we believe in putting, uh, you know, these words into practice. We believe in putting the Bible to work. We must do something about it. We need to act on it. We need to live it out. We actually need to love people. We need to help the poor. We need to preach the truth. We need to stand up. Verse 22, do not merely listen to what the word says and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. You practice it. And that's what we as Methodist people embrace. What good is a mirror if you look in it and you don't do anything about it? Now the word listen here in the Greek is the word for auditor. How many of you have ever, ever audited a course? I tell you, I've done that. You pay a bunch of money, maybe not the full but, uh, amount, but you pay this money and you go in, you never have any intention of taking the final exam or reading any of the books or really maybe even applying any of it, but you just go in, you wanna see what this class is all about and you listen, but there's a lot of people today like that in the church. They're just auditing things. They're not really having any concept. I'm not gonna take any exam. I'm not ever gonna apply this. I'm just kind of hanging out and they're auditing. And that's the word that's being used here. Uh, listen, in the Greek, you have to respond to it. You have to allow the word of God to change your life. Allow it to be planted in your heart. James says it's self-deception when we don't let it change us. We think just gaining content somehow is all we need to do. But the test of maturity is not knowledge, it's your character. And a lot of people have great knowledge, even about the Bible, but they're spiritual midgets because they've never allowed the word of God to grow in their life. James says, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin. And let's say you decide to get concerned today about your pastor's health. Let's just say, pastor, you're getting older. And you might have furniture problems. Furniture problems is, uh, you know, where your uh, chest drops into your drawers. You know what I'm talking about? And you say, Pastor, we love you. We're going to take up a collection. We're going to buy you a bodybuilding book. And you give me the bodybuilding book. This book will change your life. It's really going to help you. You need to read this book. You need to study this book. You give me this book. I said, thank you very much. And I take the book and I start really reading the book. Six months later, I come back and you say, what happened? You didn't, didn't you read the book? Yeah, no change here. What if I said, yes, I read the book. I enjoyed it. It's the greatest book I ever read. I really enjoyed it. Stayed up every night, read it for an hour or two. Even had these high, highlighters. I marked different words. I studied every word in it. Even got a group together and we talked about it. But I never did anything about it. We give awards for knowing things about the Bible, but we don't really give awards like we should for, for doing it. We get a plaque that says, I read through the Bible, but we don't get one that says, I did the Bible. You need to mark the Bible to be sure, but more than that, you need to let the Bible mark you. And it's not how many times you have been through the Bible, but it's how many really times the Bible has been through you. Are you a doer of the word? Do you actually practice? Do you live it? This morning, I want to challenge you to build your life on God's word, to build your life 
on the Bible. You know, I heard about the guy who came to the church late. He walked in just as the service was completing, and he said to an usher, is the sermon done yet? And the usher very wisely said, he said, the sermon has been preached, but it has yet to be done. I wonder today if you would be a doer of the word and plant your house on the gospel. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you today for your love, your care for us, and sharing these words of life. Truly, your word today is a light unto our path. We thank you, we praise you, and we ask God that as we plant seed today, may it be received into the hearts of your people, that we might not just audit things, but that we might be faithful in letting you grow and mature in our lives so we might be more like you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.